Hello, I'm Joshua. And I'm Mary, and welcome to From the Heart. Orlando is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. We are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Orlando and Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll meet guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart. Mary, you have wanted applause forever and ever, and Tom just made your day and gave you the applause that you deserve as we come into uh, the show today. And today is a very fun, exciting day because it's our first time in the new studio. I know. We're in the same space together. There's no glass between us. For those of you listening for the first whole year here, we've been in two different studios with glass between us. We have. And I didn't even know um, what to do today because I wasn't in the studio with Tom and he didn't point right at my face when it was time for me to talk. I was like trying to figure out what to do. I felt so alone, but, but this is so great. And you uh, didn't know the music cue. You of all know. people. Yo, see, you're, you got used to the music cue. I just got used to Tom's point. Um, but today is a special day because it's been about a year since we started mm-hmm. our journey here on the radio show. And then we did our TV show for about a year before yeah, that. Uh-huh. And then we had our iPhones and our whatever else we did <laughs> for several months before that. Yes. So this has been like a two and a half year project now that we've been having conversations. It really has. Uh, about the arts. It, yep. Uh, and what a journey it has been. Uh, I feel like I'm a better person from it. I've been enriched by a lot of the conversations we've had. I've been moved by many of our guests, inspired by our guests. Yeah, I would agree. And I've also been educated by a lot of our guests because even as an arts leader in the community, I was learning, I've learned so much more about the organizations uh, than what they, we might see publicly, you know, Mm -hmm. their education programs, their advocacy, their work in arts and wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many things we learned about the Shakespeare theater and about the Philharmonic. You know, I just did a, a webinar the other day on arts and health. It was a statewide webinar, and I got to use the Orlando Philharmonic's Expectant Mother concert oh, yes. as an example. Yes, that Mary of, Palmer, Dr. That Mary, Mary told that us she all told about. us about. And I would have never known about that if it wouldn't have been for this radio show. But yeah, we've had some pretty incredible yes. guests on here. Yes. What is that she said that a child's music uh, history needs to begin with the grand when the grandmother is pregnant? Oh, that, wow. remember she yeah, said, she said something about that. Yeah, I but like that. she was really um, she really helped just kind of give life to that whole thing that I heard at the National Center for Creative Aging, where there was this focus on aging, healthy aging adults. But if we don't get them in the womb mm-hmm. or as a baby, we've we've waste, we've waited too late. Yes. And I just think that was really neat to know that the Orlando Philharmonic is doing something like that to connect the babies and the mothers in the womb through music and through the symphony. So, but that's just one story of how many great people, you know, we've had Mm -hmm. our friend Cole Neesmith on here with the Creative City Project. Oh, and our first, my first introduction was, uh, well, on the radio show was when we went through Pulse. Yeah. I felt like what a, how, how grateful I was that we had a place for, for some of us to come together and make our contribution. Yeah, and we were able to help promote all the things that were happening in the community. We mm-hmm. had a great conversation with Matt Palm, mm-hmm. who's the arts critic from the Sentinel during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Hill was our very first guest yes. uh, with the Orlando Ballet, and then we yes. had to have. Then we got him and, and Caroline Miller uh, back. Uh, we talked to uh, George Wallace and Michael Marinaccio. Oh, that's right. Now George is out doing another fringe. He is, and we talked to Alana Friskix, who. 
at the time. It was the time was the executive director of the Garden Theater, now moving to the So she'll have to come back, Alana. We hope you're listening this Sunday night. And we've talked about the art of giving. We've talked about uh, the art of fundraising. We had visual arts conversations with your wonderful hubby, Jason. And we've talked about FAVO and and the uh, the Cornell Museum of Fine Arts yes. with Dr. Heller. And, and I was right in, in the building next door and thought of her last night when I went. I went, oh, I know that there's a piece of artwork in there that was painted by one of the painters who worked on the Sistine Chapel. That's I, I, so cool. I know. I gave that back a little <laughs> bit to Cindy. Going, oh, by the way, did you know? <laughs> she said, no. <laughs> I love that. So we've had great guests. and We look forward to many more conversations about the arts mm-hmm. and one of the things that's really neat right now for me is this Hispanic arts um, connections that we're having and how many budding Hispanic arts organizations are happening. So hopefully we can have some of them. Tell on our the listeners show well. a little bit about it, how it started and what it is. Well, so uh, when we had the Beautiful Together Pulse tribute and we worked alongside the city of Orlando and with Luis Martinez, who's on the mayor's cabinet for Multicultural mm-hmm. Affairs, we really tried to identify Hispanic artists and Hispanic organizations that could be a part of this tribute when we brought 60 organizations together and we really had a hard time finding them. Mm. And so Luis and I had coffee a couple weeks after and we said, we really need to be intentional about connecting the Hispanic arts community to the greater arts community so that we can collaborate, we can promote, we can help with best practices. And that's how it began. And so November of last year, we had our first one. We had 80 people come. And wow. we had our second one at the Orlando Repertory Theater um, that Gene Columbus helped um, host for us. And we had about 90 people who came. And they were all art leaders, organizations, Hispanic artists. And it's neat collaborations that are already happening. Um, there's one happening with the Upper Orlando now who's going to be doing Sarsuelas. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, as part of meeting and, and, and connecting. So it's really cool. When but, will that be? Uh, I think it's going to be in 2018 at some point, but they're writing a diversity grant for it through United Arts right now. So we'll we'll make sure we have them on here. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Well, Mary, we're going to talk about you a little bit. And you a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So we have been hosting this now for a couple of years between the TV show and this, and we've never really talked about our journeys. Mm -mm. And so we're just going to take a few minutes to chat with you, our listeners, about why we're doing this show, why the arts are important to us. How it came about. How it came about. How we met. Yes, and we met uh, in the casting room. (laughs) 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 That's kind of sounds weird. Yeah, you better keep going. (laughs) (laughs) At Disney's American Idol Experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had been in church music for many years and started uh, in 2010 as a casting director and you were a field producer. Mm -hmm. So you created such magical moments for the guests and helped tell their stories Mm -hmm. through conversation and videos and all that. And you and I would just always connect in the cast room. You'd be so kind and come in and we would, we would cheer on each other's projects that were going on. You, I, what I loved about you is you always genuinely wanted to know, so what are you doing? And there was always something I was doing and like, all right, I'll tell (laughs) you. And then you were doing um, the project at um, Urban Rethink. Rethink. Yes. Urban Rethink. I had a show called Converse Mm -hmm. and basically it was just people that got together and we conversed. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) But imagine that in this day and age, it did seem somewhat novel to, especially the younger people who grew up where conversations aren't like in my age, I'm a baby boomer where my parents would have friends. We'd sit around the living room that had no television in it 
and we would have conversations. Mm. And I used to love when it was time to go upstairs to bed, but I love the chatter downstairs. And then every now and then, (laughs) (laughs) and then back to, and like, I just love the, the orchestration of what happens when people communicate like that. I love that. And conversation is absolutely an art. You know, we, we've said that a couple of times that the greatest form of improv is just conversation. Yes. Well, if, if art is expression and if when we converse, it's an expression, they're both very similar. Art is also a conversation and conversation is an art. I love that. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 uh, we say some nuggets on this little show sometimes. <laughs> we say we go back and listen and write them all down. Uh, but you had this, this amazing event uh, that you were doing uh, at Urban Rethink and you invited me to be your guest. Yes, and when you were scheduled to be the guest, it was right at the time when you lost the space mm-hmm. over at... On Ivanhoe. 2013. Yes. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Urban Rethink was being told that they were losing their space. So that was our final night. Yeah. And somehow it just seemed that it needed to be celebrated and you both needed to be lifted high for Mm -hmm. contributing to our community. Such a great place with Urban Rethink and a great institution as Central Florida Community Arts is still becoming. And so your dear, oh, was it that helped me so much at that time. Sharon was oh, it Sharon? Yes, of yeah. course, Sharon. <laughs> Sharon was just so wonderful being a resource of who we could get and for the listeners there we we were able to get many members of Joshua's choir to come and be a part of the night but unbeknownst to him there were many hiding on the second floor up in a balcony where stairs led up there so they stayed there most of the night. We had a full house and we just talked about you but little did you know that someone wrote a letter that our friend Jeff Lindbergh mm-hmm. read so beautifully to you. And then your nephews, who were much younger at the time, yeah. and your niece made a little video of them. Because it was past their bedtime. Yes. So they made a video <laughs> to send to Uncle Josh, which was just so special. And it was just a night full of you making me feel very uh, oh. valued and affirmed. And I thought, I need to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. That's so much what we try to accomplish through through the organization that I lead and. So when you lost that space, we just kept, we started talking about this needs to continue. The yeah. conversation needs to go because on. Because did you see what happened with so many people there that night? It was very organic. People stood up and just right. talked. And, and then the conversation led itself into leadership. Mostly because it could have gone on forever, honestly. It like you, it, people people were, shared such personal mm-hmm. moments in their life about themselves and other people were giving them uh, encouragement as you were and they were encouraging you and also thanking you. And it was just a beautiful night of what you try to do. What are your words with Central Florida Community Arc? Connect, serve, and perform. That's what the night was. Yeah. We had you guys performing. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so then we reached out to our friend Terry Olson, who we both adore. Yes. And we 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 shared, well, we started doing some kind of grassroots a little bit. We did some stuff in our conference room with the iPhone. We yes. did one on our stage. And, the, and at the library. Which in Columbus. Yes. Yeah. And we did one with Terry at the library uh, with Ty Hunt came and videotaped yes. that for us. Hi, Ty. And so Terry said, this needs to keep going. And he made a few phone calls and... And then we start our journey at Orange TV and Vision TV. That day, because I remember leaving that day with Jason, we went to the new, at the time, Trader Joe's. And on the way there from our taping with Terry, I I was getting all these messages from Bill Sushi, uh, who we later worked with at Vision TV. He was the executive director there. We we went there to interview with him, and somehow we picked out our furniture, and we left and went... (laughs) Uh, we have a TV show. Right? <laughs> it's true. It happened really. It was too easy. I don't know. It was, it, but we loved that. That was great. And we had so many guests there. Um, 
you know, Mayor Dyer came on and we learned about his love for theater. Um, there was just, that was just a really cool experience. And so then unfortunately there were some changes with the programming and um, our friend Chris, Chris Kantmeyer, who has retired now, uh, was the VP uh, uh, here at Clear Channel at iHeart Studios and um, said, would you guys like to continue this in radio? And so what we did. What a beautiful thing. And we I did. remember the day Chris came out to introduce himself and I, just from his handshake and his smile and his eyes, I, I can see the heart in that man. And I yeah. just, I thanked him. I mean, he made such a difference. Well, and we we always say, you know, thank you for listening to Magic 107.7 FM, but Magic uh, allows us to do this one hour for free on the radio Mm -hmm. to talk about the arts and to have conversation about community. And so thank you to Magic Mm 107.7 and our iHeart Studios and all those involved for allowing us this opportunity to to talk about the arts. I think it's important. And it has made a difference. So many groups have come here to be able to talk about what they're doing have told us what support they got as a result of being here. And that always makes us feel like, wow, we're really making a difference. Well, and sometimes in interviews, they're they're so short that you don't really get the chance to tell the story. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a great opportunity here on this show is that we can really dive into the story of an organization and what their goals are. And Mm -hmm. I know the French Festival still has on their webpage our TV show because it it tells the story of the Fringe Festival sure. in a beautiful way. So I think it's cool. And we only have a couple of minutes left. Can you believe it? It's, but we were supposed to talk about you. <laughs> and we've just talked about this. So we'll talk about you some more when we come back. We'll have but, some time. So Mary, why do you do this show? Why are the arts important to you? When did that get instilled in your heart? I know conversation and people are the most important well, to you. Well, here's something you might not know. When I was little... I had stuffed animals. I didn't like dolls that much, but I liked stuffed animals all over my bed. And I used to have a toy microphone and I used to interview them. <laughs> I can't believe I've just said this to Who was the best interviewee? Um, well, my little white dog. Oh. <laughs> yes. He was my first toy that I ever got after I was born. <laughs> um, but I, I just loved the idea of, and I spent more time listening, which is kind of scary because, <laughs> yes, they did talk in my mind. Now you know why I'm in theater. <laughs> Magic's going to take away our show after this one. <laughs> uh, but I think I love hearing people's stories mm-hmm. on buses, planes. I'm, I'm that sucker like, yes, I actually do enjoy hearing this because you learn from people. And I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about you, Mary, is that you are so genuine and authentic and wanting to hear people's story. You know, you can say, I, I love listening to stories. I love, I care about people. I want to know their journey. But it's another thing to actually be genuine and authentic about it. And I think you are so adored by mm. your world at Disney. You know, that's kind of been your, your world a lot. But now as you're reaching outside that, uh, you're so loved and you you have such a great reputation. And part of that is just because you're so genuine and authentic and um you chose the right path for you. And I think this is just the radio show is just another part of that. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm so flattered. Thank you. Well, it's true. Thank I you, tell friend. you that on, and well, now I can tell right you on the air for all you. these <laughs> listeners. <laughs> right back at you. Well, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about Mary and we're going to talk a little bit about Central Florida Community Arts too. And which a is, man named Joshua Vickery. Uh, well, when you join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Thank you. 
Welcome back to From the Heart. This is Joshua Vickery with my wonderful and beautiful co-host, Mary Thompson Hunt on Magic 107.7 FM. And today we're taking just a slight deviation from what we normally do. And we're just talking a little bit about our own stories. We've been hosting between the radio show and the TV show uh, two and a half years now talking about the arts. And so today we're just getting to know, uh, getting letting you get to know us a little bit better and why we even do this. And Mary's bio, I tell you, it is a, it's like three miles long. But I want to just point out some things about you, Mary, that people might not know. You were born in East Orange, New Jersey, and you grew up in New Jersey, and you got your Bachelor's of Arts uh, in Montclair, New Jersey. You're a member of SAG, AFTRA, and AEA, which those are all wonderful acting and performing unions. And you moved to Orlando in 1990 to work at Walt Disney's Comedy Warehouse. And I'm sure there's lots of you that are listening that are Comedy Warehouse fans. And you probably did see Mary perform there because she was there for 18 years and performed in 15,000 shows. Mary, I can't even count that high. How did you do 15,000 shows? My friends Matt Harho and Mark Laner, one day we were sitting in the green room and Matt goes, meh. How many shows do you think you've done here? I'm like, I don't know. And now these two are brainiacs. So they got out their calculators. They figured off days off and holidays and, and et cetera, et cetera. And they figured how many shows we're doing each per week. And they gave me the ballpark of 15,000. How can you be funny for 15,000 shows? I don't One know. laugh at a time. <laughs> One laugh it, at a time. And the neat thing about improvisation, you're always in the moment. Ideally, you are. And so it is always the first time. That's and you are just going off the top of your head. And whatever you're living in your world at that time tends to be what you pull from. So yeah. that's the fun of it. I wish I could go back and see some of your shows. I never got to experience that because uh, it was before we met. And yes. I would just wish I could have seen it, but it was amazing. Uh, so beyond that, though, you've done lots of voiceover work and hosted events, conducted interviews, and you've been the voice of Epcot for 11 years uh, you're currently performing still at Epcot in um, What's Your Problem? Interactive Comedy Game well, Show. Well, I was doing that you when that bio that. was written. <laughs> <laughs> bio version 3.8. We're on 4.2. Oh, okay. uh, I'm on Main Street USA. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. You are Main Street USA. Mm-hmm. Greeting all the guests and having mm-hmm. fun and telling stories. And you've worked on national television projects, commercials, films, sitcoms, talk shows. Uh, you've hosted uh, comedy clubs. You performed live theater. You've done conventions, uh, including the 50th National Girl Scout Convention, which I think yes. that's awesome. And 50,000 gals. I see that. That's I was amazing. their big cheerleader for the whole week. And you've worked with clients like Black Mayors of America, Blockbuster, Kaiser per- Permanente. 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 Mm-hmm. And the International School of America in Africa, which is awesome. I'll tell you, the Black Mayors of America, uh, there's 400. Most are women. And what I loved about them when they came, when the Institute was the Institute when it first started. um, There's 400 black mayors mm -hmm. in America and most of them are women. Mm -hmm. And most of them are pastors of churches. Mm -hmm. Really? Because it's so it's like small town Mm -hmm. where they're doing two Mm -hmm. full time job and then. Doing improvisation with them was one of the highlights of my improv career. I bet. Because, well, we share a culture. So when we were we would have like Thanksgiving dinner and all the inside jokes you'd see in that culture. Girl, give me that whole pie. You go on, get your own. And (laughs) they were having so much fun and to see them have fun. And then for them, well, we do that exercise. I think where you just look into someone's eyes, you just spend Mm. time being present. And 
one of them like, well, I go home, I'm going to have my staff look at their eyes, look at each other's eyes. That's going to be great. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But the, what they got out of it was profound. Yeah. And such a passionate group of people. Um, it was such a joy. I, I just remember that with fondness. Wouldn't it be great if they took that back to the communities and part of the storytelling of those communities and the history and turned that into theater? We've talked a little bit about some of that mm. happening in Washington, D.C., but um, wouldn't that be neat if they were able to take the stories of their community and turn it into oh, that's beautiful. The theater? I had thought of that then. I would have been working there now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mary, you said you love the arts because you, you know, interviewed your stuffed animals. And <laughs> But what what drives you now still to be in this so many years later? I mean, you've you've really very different than a lot of people. You've made a full life career yeah. out of performing and acting what still fuels you all these years later? Well, partially my husband and his work. I never told you this, but I used to imagine one day marrying someone who painted. And when I first met Jason, he was a painter. And he told me that as a young boy, he thought one day he was going to marry an actress. Mm. Can you imagine that? That's and we've been crazy. married 35 years. And he is still the absolute love of your life. You mm-hmm. talk about him every single show. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> well, remember that I guess we had, and I don't remember their names, and I can't remember because I'm really good at remembering names. But they talked about it, the people who own the ad agency together, the husband and oh, wife. Yes, Darren and Brad yeah. Kuhn. Yes, and how when they Brad met. Brad Associates. And he said that he used to dream in black and white, and yes. then when he met her, he started dreaming in color again. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yes, just, and she started writing again. And she started writing again. Yeah. Oh, they're a great couple. So Jason's part of your fuel that keeps he you going. He is. Do you know what? I, I, it's amazing that we are making our living in the arts. It just mm-hmm. is. I mean, that's how what we've been doing since we've known each other. But um, it's a choice you make. It's something that Jason says. But we work really hard at it. We The same way anyone else would work really good at getting being a mechanic and the new cars and up and what it takes. You know, Mm -hmm. we try to stay up on top of what can we market that we do now. And you have to be very flexible. I mean, your schedule is a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. One day you're hosting something. The next day you're Mm -hmm. interviewing someone. The next day you're on the streets of Mm -hmm. America, uh, streets of uh, Main Street at Mm -hmm. Disney. All glamored up and the next day you're a plum. (laughs) (laughs) I can't breathe. (laughs) That's when it's real glamorous. The life of a performer. (laughs) But you wouldn't be doing anything else, right? I mean, this is... Can I would you imagine not, doing, no. maybe you would be a radio host, I think. My uncle <laughs> was a radio producer at WOR in Manhattan for years. He worked with Arlene Francis and Kitty Carlisle, the McCann family. If you're old school New York area, you would recognize those names. And the, he was their bud, and we used to go visit him at the radio station, and I just thought it was the most fascinating thing to see them there like, ha, ha, hold on one second, we'll be right back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And now every now and then I'm like, we'll be right back. (laughs) Now you get to do it. Sometimes dreams come true. It is kind of interesting to see what the world of radio and TV, and we've done both now, what it's like behind the scenes to be able to do that and what it looks like and feels like and how it comes together. Do you think one day you or I might say to someone, it's not my first radio? Yeah. (laughs) Rodeo. (laughs) It's good, Mary. It's very good. Sorry, I'm doing that. (laughs) It's late on a Sunday night and these poor people just got a good laugh out of (laughs) <laughs> so uh it's interesting though that uh how our lives intersect you know and how at disney how we got to meet and now how because of our inner the intersection of of our lives we're able to help intersect so many other conversations yes. uh, on the show and that's what central Florida community arts does really too you know we talked about connects connects or perform and the 
thousands of people that have now connected through um, multiple ways, through being an artist, by perform, by attending a show, by being a part of a donor reception, but connecting lives, which I think is the biggest part of arts is improving quality of life and building community. Mm-hmm. I think that's the two best byproducts Say that of again. what the arts. Uh, just, I, I don't know if I remember it. Well, building community. Quality of life. Quality of life, yes. Improving quality of life mm-hmm. and building community, yes. I think are the two greatest byproducts of the arts. Yes, and community does improve quality of life. And when you improve quality of life, a community is formed. Well, it's interesting because community is built in so many different ways and in the different disciplines of artistry, community looks different, you know, and we, we talked about that with your husband and with, um, with Thomas Thorsbecken. Mm. We had them on the show. Remember, mm-hmm. we talked about how visual arts is such a solo thing, but mm-hmm. then when they're able to come together and show off their work, mm-hmm. it's that is community and mm-hmm. they love being around other artists and they love, they like to work solo, but then mm-hmm. they love to present and to show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are community. our mirrors. They, yeah. They're showing us back to ourselves. Well, and who wants to just show off your work? You know, I mean, that's what the community is so great and it looks so different. You know, when it, whether it's a dance or it's in a symphony orchestra, you can't do that alone. Yes. Or it's theater, um, improv or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. It builds community. It creates relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and we it, are social creatures. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of the arts. And we know that there's other byproducts like building confidence and, mm-hmm. you know, doing something, a hobby that you love. But I think building community is such a huge part of it. I think that's what attracted me to it in high school, too. When I started getting into the plays and the musicals and uh, choir, band, you belonged. You were in band? Mm-hmm. I played flute. I played flute. Fl- uh, Fifalo, Fife, <laughs> and Piccolo. <laughs> I'm doing very well on radio, aren't I? You played the Fifalo. That's a wonderful instrument. I've heard of that. I invented it. I... You were fifth chair Fifalo? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We've never been this gigalicious. <laughs> it's the new room. There must it be, is. there's probably still the paint fumes are still drying. That's probably what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. For the listeners, you, We've been eyeing this room for what about seven months now, as it's been coming Probably together. Probably longer than that. Mm-hmm. I think Tom first teased us that this was going to be happening oh, not too long after we first started. started. Yeah. yeah, so it's been it's been a while. So we're, we're happy to be here because it gives us the opportunity to really see and experience our guests in one room around mm-hmm. one table. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, we're going to pretend this is like the dinner table minus that's all the microphones That's probably why we're a little screens, more giddy today because when we're together, that's often that's what we really, do. Yeah, it's and real so now there's no glass between us. That's not a glass wall. But now we have a glass wall between us and Tom. So that that's a little bit sad. There's also something about communities and ritual and art and ritual. And uh, I've always liked the... Well, the ritual of it, of how you attend a rehearsal, how you attend a, a performance, mm-hmm. at whether you're in the choir or the band or you're uh, seeing one. And that was always important in my life. I used to, on Sundays, come back from the YMCA with candy. And on, on my bed, I would put little sacks of candy and potato chips and go, it's time. 
and my brother and sister would run in because they knew that I would have something. But before they could have their candy, we each had to say something. I don't uh, know what I'd make it up like, you know, what was the best thing you did this week? Or And I'd sometimes invite my friend across the street or down the street to come. And they came because of the candy. I wasn't dumb. <laughs> but what fed me was that before they got it, they had to tell me something. I love that. Well, I mean, the arts creates discipline for sure. We we both had the, the privilege of being a part of this arts and medicine course that we talked about on the show uh, with UCF and in having conversation with these future medical uh, doctor with these future uh, doctors, these medical students, I was asking them about just their journey in school. And they were telling me that um, you know, medical schools actually prefer um, students to not have a bachelor's degree in something that would be medical, like anatomy. They actually prefer it to become from like a music uh, like a music student or the humanities or humanities mm-hmm. because of the discipline that it takes to be a music student and mm. to get a degree in music and what incredible discipline that is. They know that they're going to be a good student in medical school, which I thought was brilliant, but yes. it's true. I mean, the, the arts absolutely create discipline in, in us. They ha- create rituals that we have to follow and we have to practice. I yes. mean, you're not going to, you are not going to get up. Well, maybe some people, but you can not going to get up on that stage and know all your lines unless you really rehearse them. Rehearse them. Mm-hmm. You can't do it all night or the night before and no. fly by and get the multiple choice on the test and get it right. You've yes. got to practice. You've got to know it. You've got to and know it. And it develops that mind. I mentioned this to you earlier before we started the radio show that last night, uh, Gabby, um, Gabrielle Gifford, Gifford uh-huh. uh, talked about French horn. And how that's been helping her heal. That's amazing. I, I mean, th- these conversations that we're having at a statewide level and a national level about arts and health and how important that is and what what it does uh, and how it and how it helps, not just improving the quality of life, but improving the relationships of the caregivers and all of those types of things. But yeah, absolutely, the arts help it just in discipline and and confidence and community, but it also helps when it comes to therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you heard that in testimony a couple nights ago. Mm -hmm. So we were going to talk about your story and my story. We just totally didn't (laughs) because we get into conversation. But to wrap up this segment. Didn't we mention discipline somewhere there? (laughs) (laughs) It helps when we have a guest. But, you know, what we wanted to get across was that we really loved the experience of having conversation about the arts and why it's important to both of us and the beautiful conversations that have happened on this show and will continue on the show. We want to thank you, our listeners, uh, for tuning in on Sunday night and hearing the stories of mm-hmm. the impact in our arts community. And we want to thank Magic 107.7 FM for giving us the opportunity, giving us the platform to do it. And to thank each other. Thank you, Joshua. You make it a joy. And you're one of my favorite people on this planet. I love you. Ditto, Mary. I love you, too. And join us back because we're going to hear from Donald Roop, the director of theater for Central Florida Community Arts, and an amazing project that he has coming up. Join us back here and From the Heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. And Joshua, you're probably wondering why this music is being played. 
I think it's absolutely wonderful, though. I love this music. Yeah. Today we have one of our uh, one of our team members at Central Florida Community Arts, one of my favorite team members at Central Florida Community Arts, our director of theater, Mr. Donald Roop. Woo! Yay! And Donald. Hello, Donald. Hi. Hi, Donald. We're so glad you're here. And Donald uh, leads our theater program at our Black Box Theater at our main campus downtown. And we're here to talk about a very special project and a very special show, the last show of our second full season. And uh, I met Donald. Uh, I, I love to tell this story because it sounds uh, kind of far-fetched, but it's actually a true story. You know, I get to go to lots of shows and events just like you do, and we get to go out and support the arts. And so um, Craig Upper Q from the Athens Theater had invited me to come up and see uh, Les Mis in, uh, at, the Delan- at the Athens Theater in Delan. And so I went up there on a Friday night, and I was, to be honest, I was not excited about seeing um, Les Mis in Delan, Florida. <laughs> I had, no clue. I had no clue what to expect. Did not know Donald Roop existed. And then I saw one of the most brilliant community theater mm-hmm. uh, productions I'd ever seen. And I what said, made it I, that special? It was just, it was moving. There were so many special moments. One of the things that Donald does really, really well is taking masterpiece theater stuff that, you know, that you've seen, you know, South Pacific or, you know, Les Mis or these big productions and putting his own twist and heart to them mm. uh, without losing the integrity of the show, but really giving it a new, fresh uh, take. And and that's what had happened with Les Mis. The acting was great. The staging was great. But there was just these moments where you could tell he had really given new heart and new life to it. And it was really great. And I said, I need to meet that man. And so I did. I met Donald. I think that, that night we got introduced to each other and I contacted him and said, hey, we're doing this little cabaret series through CFC Arts. Would you consider coming and directing those? And he did. He came in and directed a few. He um, he he um, had pity on me and came and directed our little cabaret series. <laughs> and then he said, let me show you what I can really do. Let me do a real show. And uh, the rest is history. We turned our fellowship hall into at our, the church where we're at into a real theater. And I remember when that happened. It is uh, really doing amazing. It's the only physical community theater in downtown Orlando. Uh, it is a theater that's running in the black in its second season, and he is bringing in professional quality performers mm. uh, to put on great shows for our community. And so, Donald, I'm super proud of you and um, happy to talk about this next project. Welcome, Donald. I'm really glad you're here, too. Thank so, you. So, Once I Laughed uh, is about the, the life and the story and the heritage of the Andrew Sisters, and it first premiered at the Fringe Festival two years ago, and it won several accolades. What accolades did it win? Yeah, we were overjoyed um we didn't expect to do as well as we did and we um we ended up getting patrons pick for our venue which means we just sold a lot of tickets basically <laughs> and then um we also got picked by the critics as the best musical of the season so wow. it was amazing and that's a really okay. big honor because there Both. are lots of musicals that happen over the course of the fringe mm-hmm. festival and who picks um how how somebody gets the best musical how does that happen um it's several of the critics in the area so it's mr matt palm at the sentinel um, and I think um, it's all of the major critics from the Weekly and the Watermark get together and pick together. So Dave that, Schneider, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's not really a popularity concert no. contest. It's really people who know theater oh, yeah. who said this is the, the best of the best. And wow. so congratulations on that, Donald. Why did you pick the Andrew Sisters? to? Because you wrote this, pl- this play. Um, and why did you pick them? Well, I, I wish it was a more fascinating story than it is. <laughs> I wish I had grown up on their music or something. But what really happened is I had these three performers that I always wanted to work with. 
And um, there were three female voices that I always said I thought would sound amazing together. And uh, after an ounce of research, of course, found the Andrew sister, the Andrew sisters. The most. And tell us those three performers. Um, it was Sarah Catherine Barnes, Lauren Culver, and Kayla Kelsey. Lovely. Um, three good friends of mine now. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, discovered the Andrew sisters and after an ounce of research found out that how fascinating their lives were. And I basically just couldn't believe that it hadn't been written yet. Tell us about the relationship of the Andrew sisters. They they didn't always get along, right? No, they started to perform together when they were very young. The youngest, Patty, was nine when they started singing together. And they sang together through the 60s. Um, and they were very different people. Um, so they fought very publicly in the time. Like they were all over the tabloids and um, really crazy stories that if it had to happen today, it would be on the news. <laughs> um, and so they fought, but at the same Can time... Can you give us an example of one? Yeah. Um, the most famous example that did get covered in the tabloids was um, basically Maxine, the middle sister, fought, fell in love with their manager, Lou Levy. And um, they found out, they decided to tell their parents at dinner, um, at family dinner. And uh, Lou Levy stood up and told Maxine's father that he wouldn't be making decisions for Maxine anymore. And very famously, uh, Lou kind of went off the rockers and uh, pulled out a gun and threatened to shoot Lou Levy and ran through the street and slapped Maxine. And then they, the girls were booked to perform that night. And very famously, Patty had to perform by herself. <gasps> Oh my goodness. Because wow. the rest of the family was bailing dad out of jail. Oh my, my goodness. goodness. So there's Patty and Maxine and what's the third sister? Laverne. Laverne. Yeah. And you think about the Andrew sisters and you think about such optimism and their music is so great and what they did during I wartime. I wore out their 33 double set. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I know. I just started collecting records. I, I wonder if I could, that's probably like a treasure, but, but didn't they not, they didn't have a good relationship at the end, right? Or no. Yeah. They, well, they started to. They they broke up sometime in the 50s for about five years. And then basically they weren't making any money by themselves. So they decided to um, get back together with a big press conference where they literally buried a hatchet into a cake for <laughs> photographers. And then they performed for about five years together. And that was, according to them, the best years of their careers because wow. wow. they weren't worried about making money anymore. They were just singing together. Uh-huh. And then tragically... The oldest sister, Laverne, died when she was just 55. Um, and so that obviously was a difficult time for the other How sisters. How did she die? Um, she died of cancer, liver cancer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wow. And so now you, this is a really neat way for you to tell the story of the Andrew sisters because this hasn't been done in any other play or musical, right? Yeah. I mean, there was, people have tried. People have, there was one other music, musical written about them, but it ended up being more like a review of their music. They shied away from telling their stories. Um, Swing Sisters. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that tour is still because people love the music. But from what I can tell, nobody's really told their life stories. Uh, there was almost a movie about them, but it got canned because the sisters couldn't get along. Mm. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And it was treat the treatment of their dad. They didn't like the treat how the movie was treating their dad, so they canned the project. Well, the Andrew sisters are such an icon to music and and pop culture during that time. Their story needs to be told. I think that their songs will have so much more meaning when you yeah. know the ladies behind it, yeah, in a good or bad way, really. Uh, but you uh, now that you've you know won all these accolades and it was such a huge success, 
it kind of spurred you to continue with this with this play and you did an extension of it. You wrote more to the story um, and then you worked with the Andrew sisters estate, right? Uh, yeah. To get the rights. Tell us about that. Yeah. After doing it at Fringe two years ago, you know, at Fringe, you, the shows are shorter. So you only have about an hour to tell the story. So I had to leave out a lot of kind of big, important details of the sisters' lives. And I did a little bit of research and decided I wanted to extend it. And of course, um, upon researching it, found out, well, you can't just tell somebody's story like that. You have to have their permission. Mm. Um, and I was shocked at how easily it was to get in touch with their people, their estates. Um, just one email, and I got in touch with um, their representation, who then reached out to the three sisters' estates. Um, and they pretty enthusiastically endorsed me doing the project. Um, I've been in contact with um, one of their one of their estates, which was their manager at the end, um, which has been really awesome. And then, of course, I also had to um, get the rights for all of the music. And some of these songs were written in 1940. Uh, so finding the original composers and then finding who owns the licenses to those songs now was a project, to say the least. When were they at their prime, in your opinion? Um, uh, really during World War II. Yeah. Um, because of course they famously toured the USO. Yeah. If you could cast them during that period, who would you use in Hollywood? Oh my. Um, you mean if I cast them today? Yeah. Oh goodness. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> well, you can think about it. <laughs> Get back to so this. speaking of cast though, you have a, you have some of the, uh, the, uh, older cast has returned from we did at Fringe and then you have some new people as well. So tell us. Who's in your cast for this? Yeah, when we decided to redo it, of course I hoped that the original cast would come back, but I also know that life happens and one of our sisters moved away and the other is performing professionally. So um, we got to return, we got the return of Sarah Catherine Barnes. Nice. Um, but interestingly, she's uh, switched characters. So um, that's pretty cool. Um, and then we have the amazing, her name is Becca Southworth and she's now playing the oldest sister. And um, a newbie is Christy Chamberlain. Um, she actually performed in our production of Godspell recently. Um, I fell in love with her on stage. So that's pretty awesome. Yay. And then it's some of, there's some guys in the show, right? Our friend Cole Neesmith yeah. Yeah. is Who, in the show. Cole playing? He's playing their manager, Lou Levy. So nice. the, the troublemaker. Oh, oh the one that, was it Laverne who fell in love with him? <laughs> yeah, uh, Maxine. 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 Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So I think what's cool about this is that not only, this has really been a collaboration for you. So you've been working with the estates, you've been working with the producers of the music to make sure you have all the rights. I think you said even one of the former, former managers loved the script and has been helping you behind the scenes a little bit to make sure wow. everything was told right. So what a jewel we have right here in yeah. our backyard of a musical really coming to life and what it's like. Born out of a passion and love for them too. That's so cool. Do you have big dreams for this musical, Donald? <laughs> um, real, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> dreams, yes. The simple um, answer is yes. The short answer is yes. But you never probably knew that when you first started researching them that it would turn into the best musical at Fringe, so who knows yeah. where it goes from there. It's one of those things where I'm, it's like the one area of my life that I'm, a, that I'm an optimist. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, great. Yeah. Just maybe the right things will happen. So why should people come and see this show? Um, I, I actually think well, it is about the Andrews sisters and people are fascinated by their lives. I think it's more than that. Um, I've been surprised by some of our the biggest quote unquote fans are the younger audiences um, because it became a show more about family and about mm -hmm. siblings and um, 
fighting with your family and your siblings. Choices we make. Yeah. And there are a lot of lessons in the way that their stories ended. And um, people seem to really resonate with that. Mm. And what uh, what do you think people will take away from this? Um, I think that they will that people will fall in love with their music all over again. And I think that they will leave with a bigger appreciation for if they have siblings, their siblings, or even just their family members in general. So Boogie Woogie Beagle Boy is probably their most well-known song, right? Yeah. What are some other titles of songs that we might hear in this show? Roll Out the Barrel. Roll Out the the Barrel was a famous one. I didn't include it, though. It was hard. It was hard. (laughs) You just crushed Mary's dreams. <laughs> no, right. She was so excited. I'm my elbows now. <laughs> it was hard to pick because they had so many famous songs. Bistuchane. By Mir Bistuchane. Do you have that in there? Thank you. Yeah, of course. I love that one. Apple Blossom Time is one of their more famous songs. My favorite song is a is a short little song called I Love You Much Too Much. And that was the song that actually Patty sang by herself on that show. Wow. But a ton of their number ones. So a great story. Lots of fantastic music with a great cast. When can we check the show out, Donald? We open on April 21st, and it runs through May 7th. And so what nights we- Is that week? four weekends? or th- That's three weekends. Three weekends. Monday, or sorry, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday at? Three o'clock. Three, and, and then Friday and Saturday night at? 7.30. 7.30. And one of the things I love about your theater, uh, our theater, is that you do an industry night. So mm-hmm. just tell us about that quickly. Yeah, the last Thursday the is cheaper tickets for those of us who are in the performing industry who can't always afford the full ticket price. And uh, you have an opening night reception as well. Uh, if you buy a ticket to that first night, there's a toast and a music and hopefully some dancing and a cool little atmosphere. Yeah, it'll nice. be great. And if and for our listeners who are hopefully going to go buy tickets on cfcarts.com, uh, go to slash events or slash... Either slash event, yeah, slash events is the easiest one. Slash events to buy tickets. Can they meet the Andrew sisters when they come to see the show? <laughs> our our Andrew yeah, sisters, our Andrew <laughs> sisters, they can. the imposters, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, well, how lovely, Donald. Kudos to you for taking on this project and telling the story of the Andrew sisters, mm-hmm. and for doing such a great job in theater in general in our community. Anything else you want to tell about the show or? Uh, nope. I just hope people check it out. And thank you so much well, for I'd having Well, I'd like me. to learn more about you. Would you come back sometime? Of course. I'd love to have you come back. Well, the next show you do, come back, and then we'll get to learn more about your background in theater and thank how you, you became who yeah, you are I'd today. I'd love to. I love that. Once I Laughed, opening on April the 21st, is the opening night reception. Runs for three weekends mm-hmm. at the CFC Arts Theater mm-hmm. at 250 Southwest Ivanhoe Boulevard. And you can get tickets at cfcarts.com or call the box office, 407-937-1800. Mary. Thank you for a fun show. Always a pleasure. Getting to know you a little better. The time just goes by too fast. And Donald. <laughs> Getting to know you. <laughs> see, us next, see us next week. See you next week. Uh, from the heart. Magic 107.7 FM. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.